On February 2023, a national citizen's inquiry began its work. The commissioners were appointed, and an incredible team of citizens-led team went across the country to some eight cities, listening to hundreds of witnesses as well as expert testimony from around the world regarding COVID-19 and how it was managed and its impact on Canadians. A clear path forward requires looking back and learning. Good public policy requires human connection. It's a consideration of the facts, applying common sense and innovation. It's urban, it's rural, it's real life. We all have something to contribute. We all have a responsibility to get informed because there's a little piece of Canada in all of us, isn't there? Let's learn on this path together. This is Leaders on the Frontier. On September the 14th, they issued a special interim report of recommendations. And with me here today to discuss those recommendations is their lead counsel, Sean Buckley, and constitutional lawyer. Welcome, Sean. David, I'm very pleased to be on your show. Well, welcome. And uh, maybe you could just kind of set the stage a little bit in terms of the National Citizens Inquiry. It's got quite a background. It's incredible work. Why was it created and by whom? So, you know, now the by whom is, is the interesting question. So there was a group of us that ran the, put together the citizens hearings. Um, and so you can just go to citizenshearings.ca. And that was three days of, of testimony, not under oath. Um, people just were given time limits. And the idea was just to show that there's a different narrative to the mainstream narrative. And after that, um, that group decided we should put on national hearings in a more formal way. And there was about 12 of us who then just started planning. Now we had made a decision because some of us are involved with other groups and we want we wanted to structure the National Citizens Inquiry to be completely impartial that we don't, you know, we don't disclose who that that group is. But um, you know, we, we hope the proof is in the pudding in the way we structured the rules that the commission is run by and the commissioners we've selected and how we've run the hearings. So, um, and we're actually quite proud of that. It really is an incredible effort. So congratulations to you and the whole team, the myriad of volunteers, hundreds of them that came together and really made that journey across the country to some eight cities. And uh, I had the honor of participating along with uh, other colleagues at Frontier in that effort. And it was interesting to hear the heartfelt stories and testimonies from citizens who'd been impacted by the management of COVID-19, as well as the myriad of experts. And I know it's hard to summarize, but the point is that you're going to be distilling this down with the commissioners um, to create a final report. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um so first of all, I'm, I'm not involved in the final report and nobody in the uh, NCI administration is involved in the final report because the rules create separation. So the commissioners have, um, they're on their own in, in drafting the report, which in itself is quite amazing because, you know, like uh, a government commission is going to have a really big budget, even just for a writing team that will actually start writing even before they have hearings, you know, on the background and purposes and all of that. And our commissioners have had to do all of that by them themselves. But we asked the commissioners if they would be willing to release a part of their report 
And the reason for that was is, is we saw that Parliament was going to start sitting again on September 18th. And the part on the test, the drug approval test, we thought was just so important that we didn't want that to wait and we wanted you know, Parliament to be aware of it and the provincial governments. So we asked the commissioners if they would agree to release that part of their report. Now, David, when we made that request, that was before in the public media, there was messaging about, oh, there's this new scary variant, you know, it's circulating and it's going to break out across the world. And don't you know, we're going to need another COVID-19 experimental vaccine. Yeah, so that's what that's um, that's what we're here to talk about is is that test and what uh, what the commissioners reported on. And, and basically they they're recommending that that the vaccinations be stopped. OK, so uh, thanks for setting helping to set the stage here. I do have a clip here from the one of the commissioners, uh, Ken Drysdale, who's uh, overviewing and setting up why this is happening right now, this interim report. We believe it is crucial to bring forth this information to the public's attention. In recent weeks, our world has witnessed a series of significant developments that have reshaped the landscape of our ongoing battle against the COVID-19 pandemic measures. The commissioners overseeing our comprehensive investigation have carefully considered the implications of these events, and we deemed it imperative to release a portion of our overall investigative report a section that is particularly relevant to the current state of affairs in Canada and the world. Just days ago, the FDA in the United States took a critical step by granting approval to new COVID-19 vaccines, raising eyebrows due to the apparent absence of completed clinical testing. What's striking is that this new vaccine seemed to have gained approval primarily on the strength of prior authorizations granted for COVID-19 vaccines. In tandem, the CDC swiftly followed suit endorsing the use of these new vaccines for individuals as young as six months of age. These decisions have ignited discussions and prompted questions about the robustness of the regulatory process, particularly in the face of the evolving landscape of the pandemic. Furthermore, Health Canada has also recently greenlit a new COVID-19 vaccine produced by Moderna and it seems that this approval followed a similar path as those in the United States. Interestingly, Moderna has also announced the construction of a new mRNA vaccine production facility in Montreal, and it is reported that they expect to produce 100 million doses of mRNA vaccine in 2024. In conjunction with these developments, Dr. Theresa Tam, Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, held a press conference where she and her staff were seen wearing masks, rekindling discussion about public masking. These developments, combined with the considerable evidence presented to our Commission, had led us, led us to believe that it is the utmost importance to inform the public about the original authorization process for the existing COVID-19 vaccines. The government's reliance on the same authorization process for the new vaccine underscores the critical need for transparency and clarity regarding how these decisions were initially made. The release of this portion of our investigative report seems to seeks to shed light on the approval process and provide insights into the concerns and recommendations arising from our comprehensive examination. 
So to be clear, um, on September the 14th, uh, that clip was from part of that media conference that the National Citizens Inquiry held to issue an interim report that would really, given the circumstance that you were alluding to, Sean, uh, really make some very important public recommendations. And um, I want to also share with you a clip, a second one, where Commissioner Drysdale outlines the four recommendations. One, rescind the newly implemented revisions to the food and drug regulations related to COVID-19 vaccine authorization, as they permanently exempt these vaccines from the requirements to objectively prove safety and efficacy. Two, immediately halt the current use of COVID-19 vaccines in Canada that were authorized under the revised provisions of the interim order and the newly revised food and drug regulations. Three, conduct a full judicial investigation into the authorization process of COVID-19 vaccinations in Canada with the possibility of addressing any criminal liability that might be found. Four, make all documentation concerning the authorization process and information provided to regulatory agencies by the manufacturers publicly available. These recommendations are critical to restoring public trust in the vaccine authorization process and ensuring the safety and well-being of all Canadians. So the first um, recommendation, Sean, has to do with uh, rescinding the use of uh, COVID-19 approvals. Is that correct? So what Parliament did is, is, or the government did rather, is they added this test permanently into our drug approval regulations, but just for COVID-19 drugs. And so the commissioners are saying, you have to undo this. We can't have a drug approval test where you don't have to prove safety and you don't have to prove efficacy. Right on. Because we're no longer in an emergency situation, in quote, right? Well, but the commissioners are saying it doesn't matter whether you're in an emergency or not. Yes. Um, it, you just simply cannot be approving drugs for use in the widespread population without proving safety and efficacy. Exactly. And the second recommendation is uh, halting any use of uh, COVID uh, products? Yeah. Yeah. So the commissioners are quite clear that they're recommending that all COVID-19 vaccine usage be stopped immediately. And the third one is uh, you're calling for a judicial investigation. Well, the commissioners are calling for a judicial investigation into potential criminal liability to be more specific and, um, you know, which is quite something. So here we have four commissioners who, after listening to over 300 witnesses under oath, feel that it would be prudent for there to be a judicial inquiry into potential criminal liability. Now, why, why, the, why the reference to criminal uh, liability? I think a lot of people might be surprised to hear that. I don't know. I haven't asked the commissioners that question. I, I think, but obviously it, it suggests that they're concerned that there could be liability. I mean, David, we have um, a whole bunch of responsibilities under the criminal negligence and homicide provisions of the criminal code, let alone international law. I mean, 
if you are approving something where it's not clear the benefits outweigh the risks, you're you're violating the Nuremberg Code. And as soon as it's clear that you may be causing more harm than good, you're violating the Nuremberg Code. And then clearly on the consent issue, we were violating the Nuremberg Code. So this whole thing, we were violating international criminal law in how we preceded this. I mean, it's just outrageous. Do you, do you know that under our regular drug regulations, the Minister of Health has the authority, once a drug is approved, if further evidence shows it's, it's unsafe or it doesn't work, the Minister has the authority to withdraw the application? Do you know in this interim order, the Minister of Health took away the Minister of Health's power to withdraw COVID-19 vaccines oh. if for a full year, if subsequent evidence showed that they were unsafe or didn't work? Like on what planet does the Minister of Health take away the power to withdraw a drug if if it shows, if you learn it's unsafe or doesn't work? Indeed, yeah, we're dealing with people's lives, their health and uh, people of all ages, including children. Um, and then making all submissions public is the fourth recommendation. Yeah, that. That's an important one. Like we're all assuming that basically let's use Pfizer as an example. We're all assuming that Pfizer would have submitted to Health Canada the same type of information that was submitted in the United States and that a court in the United States ordered disclosed. And just so your viewers aren't aware, I mean, it's called the Pfizer dump, just Google Pfizer dump is, you know, a, a group was trying to get a copy of, well, what did Pfizer submit mm -hmm. for the FDA to approve it? And the um, the FDA and Pfizer actually wanted that sealed for 75 years. And a court had to order that it would be disclosed. Now, you would think if we're in a global pandemic and we are for widespread use, basically coercing the population, even if we weren't, hey, this is available, you would think we would want full disclosure so that every doctor and scientist interested could be pouring over the data Indeed. and we could be learning about this. But, you know, we're talking Pfizer, but what about the other companies? Nobody had, like that hasn't been disclosed at all. Right. And and so that's what the uh, the commissioners are calling for. And I think that's a very prudent recommendation. And And if the government resists that, it would beg the question why. And I think part of this is, I find this conversation um, almost schizophrenic, Sean, because, you know, this uh, COVID-19 appeared, gosh, it's, it's some three years ago now, and we've learned a lot about COVID-19 in retrospect. Um, and what I mean by that is that, it, would you agree that almost every key assertion that government authorities were uh, suggesting has been wrong? For example, we know now about, uh, what is it, the Cochrane studies now, an analysis about the mask. efficacy of mask wearing. It's not there. We know that uh, vaccines do not prevent transmission. Uh, we know that lockdowns were not efficacious, certainly when we look at all the data and statistics in the deep dive when it compared to other nations such as Sweden that did not do the lockdown. Um, you, you know, time and time again, we have that. But there's something else going on here, and that is the revelation of information, the receipts of emails, uh, data that show that the government decision makers, particularly, I think, of the, um, the uh, Center for Disease Control and, and uh, all those other decision makers, we know that they knew that these 
vaccines that they're advocating for were really quite a risky affair. Is that a fair comment? Well, right, but let's let's back up. So, I mean, you're saying we learned that masking didn't work. We learned that lockdowns didn't work. We knew that before. I mean, you look even at the World Health Organization's guidelines for a respiratory pandemic like COVID prior to this, and they would say you don't mask. Right. And you don't lock down. And the worst thing, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't vaccinate into a pandemic. You don't do that. You don't. It's, you know. It's stunning. Everything we did, everything we did went against our prior learned knowledge. And, um, it, and you know, it begs the question, because I know in the province of Alberta, we had a plan that wasn't followed and every yeah. province had a plan that wasn't followed and i should just clarify that sean so when we say a plan we meant a an emergency management plan that yes. took into account different emergencies whether it was a chemical derailment terrorism but also a pandemic we didn't follow yes. those plans period yeah it's kind of like we we spent a whole bunch of resources both nationally and provincially to come up with pandemic plans and we didn't we did exact opposite of what we were supposed to do so and it and you know in lockstep like it makes no like so when we talk about no institution standing up i mean it's not like we didn't know this stuff mm -hmm. and I'm, and wasn't it absurd this masking and and police state rituals like do people not think about the consequences like how is it that in canada we had to show identity papers like that. That is a police state. Utterly ritual. bizarre. Yeah. And we're in a situation where we undertook lockdowns uh, that impacted everyone. The inability of people to say goodbye to a loved one in person, let alone having little children, uh, having their education truncated. We did not follow best practice. That's kind of a sweeping, almost retrospective and update in terms of why I think the National Citizens Inquiry tabled these interim recommendations, and they're, I think, very reasonable recommendations then, given that all that we know in terms of the last three years, isn't it, uh, Sean? And I think the other thing that I find fascinating is um, the uh, commissioner's uh, administrator, uh, the Honorable Chess Crosby, uh, made a very, I think, a very incisive statement about the role of citizens in action and I do want to show that uh, clip here and share that with the audience. The National Citizens Inquiry Commissioners have been greatly troubled by a fact established beyond doubt on the face of the exceptional laws which the Government of Canada rushed to market the COVID vaccines. The Drug Safety Regulator Health Canada has not applied the traditional objective test for safety and effectiveness to the COVID vaccines and has not determined that they are safe and effective. The safe and effective slogan that you have heard repeated over and over by politicians and health officials is nothing but a marketing pitch. The statement on the Health Canada website that the COVID vaccines are proven safe and effective is a lie. Politicians lied, officials lied, and the regulator Canadians trusted to protect them has been corrupted. Like me, many of you have been duped into taking undue risk with your health and safety 
In the words of the commissioners, the COVID-19 vaccines are neither safe nor effective. Don't take my word for it. Go to nationalcitizensinquiry.ca and verify for yourself why the commissioners say neither safe nor effective in their report and in their national press conference today, September 14. Tell your friends and loved ones, neither safe nor effective. Spread the news on social media, neither safe nor effective. If you have talk radio open line shows like I do in this province, call in, neither safe nor effective. Pick three witness testimonies at random and watch them. Your life will be changed. Write your member of parliament and provincial representative and demand they inform themselves about Health Canada's dereliction of duty and ask questions in the House. Print out the pages of the portion of the report neither safe nor effective that the commissioners have released and give it to elected rep representatives or send them the link. They respond to pressure. As a former legislator, I should know. So we've seen that powerful call. They weren't safe and effective, uh, as uh, Chess uh, so powerfully comments about. But the role of citizens here is very special, isn't it, Sean? What are your thoughts around the importance of citizens' action now as we face uh, 2024? So, you know, David, hopefully I can get a little religious on you just because um, during the National Citizens' Inquiry, it, like the whole thing wouldn't have happened if, if God wasn't stepping in and intervening. Um, and he was giving us a message, wasn't he? And, and not just in the openings, but in from other witnesses that we're not alone and that we don't have to be afraid anymore. But now what what's happening is he's making it clear we're in a we're in a war. This is an information war. I think it's more dangerous than the bullets and bomb type of war. And you're drafted. You, you don't have the ch you don't have the choice anymore of sitting still. And if we want to get these extremely common sense and reasonable recommendations of the commissioners adopted, then what we need to do, it's up to the citizen. Like, don't ask, oh, how is the NCI going to get it adopted? What are you talking about? We're a handful of citizens that just put this together. It's all about you. What are you going to do to make this happen? Because it's actually your responsibility. It's not my responsibility and it's not, you know, the other small group at the NCI. What are you going to do? So why don't you contact your MP? Why don't you contact the prime minister? Why don't you contact the minister of health? Why don't you phone them? Why don't you write to them? Why don't you send them a copy of the report? Meet with your MP. Like there's tons of things you can do. And we need to get other people watching the NCI, David, including your testimony, which actually was quite emotional. So I invite I invite your viewers to watch your testimony. But if people will watch even three witnesses, we've learned that like they get hooked and they just keep watching and then they're going to be laughing, they're going to be crying, they're going to be everything else in between. So we have a campaign called This is Canada where you just print out, we got a PDF, print out 156 copies because Canada is 156 years old and drop them off in your neighborhood mailboxes. And if you don't want to talk to your neighbors, go to the next neighborhood. But it's something simple you can do. And if, if you know, you drop off 156 and 10 people start watching, you've changed those lives and the people those people interact with. Like the point is we have to get involved. 
we all know that the world is upside down and we need to take personal responsibility. Wow, so what a powerful challenge to every citizen to not just simply watch, but stand up, to speak up, and to get involved. Because, you know, I, I think the irony here is that a lot of political decision makers are really not based on public policy, and I'd have to look at, you know, each specific case in point. But a lot of decisions are kind of led by, dare I say, public polling. Uh, the sense of what does it take in terms of popular decisions that will lead to a continuation of people's power rather than necessarily what's principled or what's the right thing to do. So in this case, citizens actually have probably more power than they realize. Is that right, Sean? Is that your point? Oh, absolutely, David. Absolutely. Because this is an information war. There is an agenda here. There is full-on censorship. And there is propaganda in a way that we've never seen before. Now, whenever there's a war and, and you're surprised, the, the, the defending side is surprised, you get rolled over for a couple of years, you know, if you last that long. I mean, in the Korean War, literally, you know, they would look behind themselves and go, oh, that really is the ocean behind us. I mean, they mm -hmm. were backed into a corner before they were able to hold the line and then slowly push back. You know, I mean, in World War II, I mean, the Germans were in the suburbs of Moscow before the rains came. Mm -hmm. Like, so why are we surprised that we've been rolled over for a couple of years and that we were disorganized and we were terrified and we were afraid? We were taught, and not explicitly, but we were taught we didn't have to be involved. We didn't have to be going to the school board meetings. We didn't have to be going to municipal council meetings. We didn't have to be involved in party politics. We didn't have to be involved in our professional colleges. Now, we weren't told we couldn't, but it wasn't drilled into us that we needed to be. It was, we were taught by omission because the reality is, is we've allowed a small group of very focused people with a very focused agenda to basically take over all of our institutions. We just need to take them back. And I think people are ready to do that. Well, thank you, Sean Buckley, the counsel for the National Citizens Inquiry for your challenge to take our country back and to get involved. Citizenship is not a passive exercise or role. So thank you so much for joining us and overviewing these important interim recommendations by the commissioners. And we thank you for your leadership and your courage. Well, David, I, I thank you for having me on our, your show because it's shows like this that actually share truth with people and makes a huge difference. And I think most people don't understand how much work it is and what a sacrifice it is for you to do this. So I really thank you for what you are doing and what the Frontier Center is doing. Well, thank you, Sean, for your kind words. Thank you for watching Leaders on the Frontier. We're a nonpartisan think tank. We explore ideas, policy, and practical solutions that can make a difference in the lives of Canadians. We do not accept any government funding. We work for you. Thank you for supporting Frontier. Visit fcpp.org to give. While you're there, be sure to check out our latest articles and research. Without open discussion and debate, you're not thinking, nor are you free. Comment below. We'd love for you to join the conversation.